Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Manneker, and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. During the 2020 Armory Show in New York City, Art News, Yield Street, and Athena Art Finance collaborated on a series of talks at the Armory Show. This conversation with Michael Weiss, the co-founder and president of Yield Street, took place shortly before that collaboration began. Could you give us a little bit of a sense of how the platform works, and then we can talk about the art market and art loans? Sure. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Yield Street is on a mission to create financial independence for millions of people. And the way we're going to do that is by providing access to institutional quality investments that historically people haven't had access to. Specifically, what we look for are income generating assets. We want to help people get on a road to generating consistent passive income so that ultimately in the future, they could be on a road to financial independence. So the way we operate and the way I think about my role is we have to constantly look throughout the market for best-in-class investments across different asset classes, duration, yield, risk, manager, so that somebody can come to Yield Street and build a diversified portfolio, which will then put them on a road to financial independence as they continue to get income, whether it's monthly, quarterly, or otherwise. So what we do is we have teams across the business that focus on different asset classes. We are invested in real estate bridge loans, single-family rentals, marine finance, legal finance, art lending, consumer loans. We have a couple of exciting new asset classes that we're working on as well. And what we do is we source those investments, we underwrite them, we review them. And if we feel that they're appropriate for our community of investors, we then utilize liquidity that we have as a balance sheet. We fund those investments for ourselves, and then we later make them available in fractional amounts to investors. So for example, in the art market, if we would do a $10 million art deal, we would fund that $10 million, and then people can come online whenever we make that available for others and invest that 10000 or 15000 or 20000 or whatever number is right. And they can now have, for the first time, a piece of a $10 million deal that historically investors never got access to. Those deals were reserved for ultra, ultra high net worth individuals, family offices, institutions, et cetera. Well, in general, um, art collectors are... Uh, I guess we should describe it as underfinanced. It's a notorious as being a, a place where people are illiquid because they have to pay in cash for the art. And there have not been until uh, recently many different ways to get um, access to uh, either taking a loan or structuring uh, their collection. Uh, the, is the appeal to the collector that they can release, say, 50% of the value of what they've put into their art so that they have access to that money to invest in other presumably, you know, higher yielding investments on their side? So it's a great topic of discussion in general. So we had acquired a business called Athena Art Finance. Athena Art Finance was founded about five years ago. It was originally backed by Carlisle. We bought that business from Carlisle because we thought it was an interesting opportunity on the one hand, for our investors to get access to the art market, and on the other hand, to grow this art finance business, Athena. And there's a couple of interesting things that I've learned since acquiring it and during the diligence process. So number one is the art market, like you just explained, is terribly underserved. And I have a history of looking at asset classes that are underserved by capital markets. It's something I take a lot of joy in building it and doing. 
And I think there are different reasons for it. In the last 15, 20 years, we've seen that happen. So for example, the legal finance market. So lawyers historically have looked at debt as uh, taboo, for lack of better terms. Um, I think the art market was similarly viewed either by its collectors or by the street as being a vanity asset. And oh, if I could buy a $10 million piece of art, I don't need to finance it. I should just pay it in cash. Well, when was the last time you read a, you met a real estate billionaire who bought buildings in cash? So responsible leverage is very fundamental to our financial system. I believe that every asset that has an institutional market for it, that has access to liquidity, that has a value, should have financing available to it. There are people that we meet, there are borrowers that we have, whether they be collectors, whether they're commercial borrowers, so auction houses, dealers, whether it's a trust and estate client who's trying to meet a liability. Financing should be an integral part. Financing should be something that people look to, people respect, do it responsibly, understand the value of your portfolio. But there is no reason that someone should have so much liquidity and so much of their net worth tied up in their art when it's a true asset. And we want to help be part of the movement to create a financeable asset. And I presume in financing it, you are uh, still the collector retains some equity. Uh, right, they're not taking 100% of the va- value as a loan. They're taking some, you know, 50% or, or, or so, so that they retain some responsibility uh, as a equity holder uh, in maintaining the a- asset and just in general in its um, uh, appropriate, uh, uh, you know, increase in value. Absolutely. So I think there's two sides to that. One is what are lenders like us, like a fiend hard finance, seeking, and what are collectors interested in? There is no market, to my knowledge, of 100% finance. So when we underwrite a transaction at Athena Art Finance, we're looking at net 50% distributable. So it's net of commissions and fees, et cetera. So when we think about it, sitting here today, I cannot tell you that I'm an expert in understanding the value of the art market. Meaning there are many, many other people that have a deeper expertise in understanding where the value of particular artists may or may not go. What we are here to say is that we understand that there is a value. I don't want to take volatility risk of price fluctuations in the art market, but I believe that I could still service the art market and the art collectors by providing attractive financing at appropriate pricing with the right leverage points to still have alignment of interest and limited risk. So guarantees have become uh, a significant uh, uh, factor in the art market, especially at auction. Um, and the, the guarantees generally are at the very high end of the market with the kind of uh, uh, works that uh, are, you know, recognized as having some sort of lasting value, uh, some sort of lasting asset value, uh, if you will. Um, I presume you're not yet into the, the guarantee market or working with people to help them after they've acquired something uh, with a guarantee to finance it. But is that a, a, a potential uh, direction for the art finance business to go? We already do. There you go. So um, you're, spot on. you're spot on. The, the guarantee market is robust. Those who are providing the guarantees are willing to provide the guarantees and happy to provide the guarantees. The question is, how do I optimize my balance sheet? So now I'm stuck with a piece for whatever reason. I'm still willing to be invested in it, meaning I'm willing to offer Athena Art Finance plus 50% of the guarantee, 60% of the guarantee at a basis that we feel very comfortable and we do provide that financing. And, you know, I think that if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to shift into a slightly different discussion, which is 
one of the reasons that I was very attracted by the art finance market, and I think this, this is an interesting entry point to mention it. So I look at a ton of different asset classes, and I mentioned some of them before. And one of the things that, that I pride myself on thinking about and that I think Yield Street as a whole and the investment team really focuses on is the saying that I have worried about what happens when the glass breaks and figure out how to make it break. Anyone can pitch you a deal that's going to make money. It's never about putting it out. It's about bringing it back home. So let's take real estate, for example. Real estate market has its fluctuations too. The key is making a loan at a loan to value that's appropriate. So if a building is worth 10 million in Manhattan, we're lending six, I feel great. We're lending eight, I feel okay. We're lending nine, not so much. So now what would happen if we took over that building? Because like in any credit business, you go through those, those situations and you have to manage them appropriately. So we now have to cover insurance, taxes, maintenance for the property, security for the property, all sorts of liabilities. It's expensive. What happens if you have an art deal? The guarantee gets hit. The market isn't there for that particular piece of art at the time. And mind you, Athena specializes in only providing financing to the top 500 artists. And we could talk about some of the data and some of the systems mm -hmm. that we have put together around that. So we're not finding ourselves, you know, at a $10,000 piece of art. We're more likely in a $10 million piece of art with a Basquiat or a Warhol or something of that nature. And if we have to wait, it's fine. It goes into a bonded warehouse. There isn't maintenance with it. There's a very small price to pay for the insurance that's, that's appropriate. So it's very limited maintenance, very limited headache. So given the construct that we have, we don't have liquidity requirements. We don't have challenges like that. We're happy to work with these borrowers and say, okay, we'll wait till the next season, wait till two seasons. We feel good about where the art market is. We feel good about where these artists are going. We don't have a concern that they're going to trend down 50% for a period of time. And that makes art lending and investing in the lending market of art very attractive to us. And have the, the uptake has been uh, strong, both on the just the collector side and on people you know, offering uh, third-party guarantees? So on the demand side from the investors, it's been through the roof. I think in part, people share the same sentiments as we do around the security of the art, the differentiated asset class, the lack of access, the pricing, those are all really interesting. Um, I would say... Uh, also, the, it used to be that the non-correlation was part of the appeal with this asset class, you know, eight, ten years ago. I don't know if that's still... I question that. I think that, you know, I don't know that that was ever really... True. Okay, true. Um, I think that at the end of the day, save for a few, art buying, art investing, purchasing of art, especially high-end art, is um, there's two there's two camps, or three maybe. There's the diehard, I love art, I want to own this piece, and I don't care what's going on in the world if I can't really buy this piece. There is the ultra-wealthy that understand the value of the art, specifically will take um, the opportunity when the market sells off to buy what they can. And I look at those as um, investors more than collectors. They may appreciate the art, but in the back of their mind, you know, they know they can exit. It's like buying a really expensive Patek Philippe. You know that you put the money out, but you can always you can always access the liquidity. And then there is everybody else. And everybody else is, I made a lot of money this year. I made a lot of money last year. I'm getting a bonus. Some event happened. I want to buy art. When that liquidity dries up, that last group, which is probably the largest group in the market, isn't buying art and not at the prices that they were. 
So I don't necessarily agree with the correlation, but I do think that the art market always comes back. And if you look historically, um, I would I would reference this or check this first, but I'm pretty sure we're at about 6% year-over-year equity growth mm-hmm. on a 20- or 30-year look back of art. It's a pretty good return. Uh, so that's what we're excited about. You asked specifically about the uptick in the guarantees in the yep. collector market. I would say our portfolio is more on the collector market and the commercial market, so dealers and um, auction houses. There's a small portion of guarantees. Now the market's clearing pretty well. People aren't really getting stuck too much with pieces. They're offering guarantees a lot more than they used to. I don't know how many times those guarantees are getting hit. So uh, just switching back to the, the investors on your platform who are interested in investing in art, because it's a, a fixed income a- asset, they, are, they know the return they're getting. This is not betting on the art market rising dramatically. This is just recognizing that you can be- get better yield by owning a piece of one of these loans. Correct. So there is some craze about owning fractional shares in art pieces themselves. That is not what we do. That's not what we seek to do. What Yield Street is here to do is try and provide people, again, with consistent passive income to get in the road to financial independence. That is what my main focus is. I have this dream. We walk down the street and people are like, you help me put my kids through college. You help me get that next vacation. We always wanted a basketball court and we got it. Uh, I wanted to buy my mom an apartment and now I was able to. Whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, right? At Yield Street, we always say, Money should fuel your life, not dictate how you live it. And that's an important relationship shift. I'm not a fan of taking sort of equity um, risk in underlying artworks. I am not the right person to be giving people advice on the equity of the underlying artworks. I think that that's a sexy, fun, vanity business to be in. It's like buying Yeezys when you hit the market and deciding if you should hold them or just look yep. for a quick trade. We're, we're single and double people. We're not home runs. Um, so, yes, it's, it's strictly fixed income, debt, short tenor. So speaking of Yeezys, where, where do the um, lower-priced uh, cultural assets fit in the, this? I'm presuming things like collectibles would be harder for you to do these kinds of um, deals with just because they're relatively new, the trading in them, and the absolute value is fairly low. So you need to get up to a certain size to make this your your system work. I think the biggest issue for us getting in the easy market getting the easy are the high school kids in New York City doing it out of their parents' closets. But uh, they, seem to have a, they seem to have cornered this market really well. Um, in all seriousness, you know, Yield Street, like many other large businesses, we also have to enter asset classes that we can provide homogenous scalable solutions to. Our customers, our community of investors, they want to be able to understand what they're investing in. We can't change every day. Today's easy, tomorrow's with it. We have a very clear message around what we do in the art financing. These are our strategies. That's what we pursue. This is what we do in the marine market. This is what we do in the real estate market. And we can continue to generate scale there. That's one side of it. The second piece is, like you said, they're newer, so there's much more volatility. We're not venture investors. We invest a consistently safe product, or at least as we believe this consistently safe product is going to generate a good fixing from the term. However, there are markets in the collectible space that have become mature. So Yield Street's aggressively looking at the watch market. That market is very different today than it was 20 years ago. Yeah, There's right. real-time liquidity in that market. There's big prices in that market. There's scale in that market, and it's global classic car market, super interesting market. So I think that 
you're going to see more assets gain more scale. Um, there's a lot of different reasons for it. Is there a minimum bar? So, you know, if I have a closet full of uh, sneakers that are, are worth in total a million dollars and I want a half a million dollar loan, is that too small for your platform? Yes. So we target five to $50 million loans. We prefer to be 15 to 75. Your market isn't there yet. I think that it's growing over time. People, as people get more comfortable thinking about their art portfolio as an asset, like we spoke about before and saying, hey, this is my balance sheet. How do I efficiently manage my balance sheet, right? Should I be levering my art portfolio by 40% so that I can buy into a real estate investment? Should I be levering my art portfolio so I can buy a new business? So we don't do distressed lending at Yield Street. Some borrower comes to us and says, hey, I'm worth you know X million dollars and I desperately need liquidity for $5 million. Can you take my $7 million art? The answer is almost always no. We look for people who are looking to grow, people who have opportunity. Um, our ideal client is a client that wants to scale and grow with us over time or providing a good solution to. We do not want to take back our pieces. We do not want to have that relationship with our client. I have no interest other than the beauty of many of these pieces in owning them and going through that. My interest is in helping people who love art collect them, collect it more efficiently, and help Yield Street and its investors make money too. That's the liquidity issue, allowing someone who wants to collect art not have it be something that impedes their other business ventures the way they uh, prosecute the rest of their life. Correct. So uh, just to go back to the investors on the platform, because I, I know you've had a lot of growth in the platform. I, I can't remember the number, but it's a significant number of participants in Yield Street. Over 200,000. And I presume that there's People of all stripes, ones who are there to have all the asset, access to all the different type of asset classes and some who are maybe just interested in the litigation or the marine or the, uh, so forth. Are there people specifically interested in the uh, art as art? So join the platform to invest in, in art or is it just part of the mix of other um, uh, asset classes? It's a great question. I still have to zoom out for a minute. So. What is it about Yield Street that's made it successful? Why is this sort of virality happening around us? What's going on, right? And there's a, there's a much bigger theme happening here. There's, there's two things that I would touch on. Let's talk about the investor journey. So a person's life from 18 to 80. When we first start out, we have tons of debt, student debt, housing debt, credit card debt, auto debt. Um, we can't get out. We're just we're managing payments. It's only gotten worse. We live in a society that has very limited innovation around wealth creation, but tons of attention of how do I find you faster? How do I give you that next credit card offer? Or how do I catch you in the next store and offer you financing? Or how do I sell you school five times more expensive than it should be? But say, don't worry, you won't have to pay for now. Yep. Um, so that's how we start our lives, basically all of us. Then once we get to our 30s, hopefully we have some stability. We have a good paying job, we have a 401k, we're able to take a little bit of money, siphon it off, and put it in ETFs and some equities, et cetera. Um, but did you know that only about 10% of people ever reach the opportunity to invest in alternatives and generate consistent passive income? Do you know at what age that is? 50s, 60s? Or... 65. So what, what we felt passionate about was creating this growth of financial independence. And by leveraging technology... To us, we don't mind if you put 5,000, 50,000, 500,000, 5 million. Same clips of us. Nobody gets a special deal. 
You put 50 million, you're not getting a better deal than someone's 5,000. Do you know what our average age of our investors? Nope. 42. That's 23 years of passive income that people wouldn't have access to before. So that's, that's one big trend. The second trend is the way we behave as consumers. So 20 years ago, what was your favorite cell phone? 20 years ago, I think I had a, a Samsung cell phone or an Ericsson uh, with a little uh, antenna you had to pull out. That might have been longer. Yeah. Long time, yeah. You're, you're dating me, yes. So mine was uh, Nokia. Yeah. Small the better as long as I could play Snake. Right? I yeah. fat fingered it, but we managed. How do we shop? We used to go to the baker, the butcher, the grocer, the flower store, the hardware store, the banker. That was sort of the routine. Now we want an Amazon, a Whole Foods experience. So the bakers moved into Whole Foods. The fishermen moved into Whole Foods. The butcher moved into Whole Foods. The flowers do that Whole Foods. Um, I think that my butcher, who was 95, was better than the meat that we're picking up today in the grocery store or the new version of the grocery store. And last, the way we live, the white picket fence was everyone's dream. Then it became living in inner cities. So predictions are by 20, 50, 60% of people living in suburbs are going to live in the cities. Today, what do we see? Work, live, play. Hudson Yards at the highest end of the spectrum and all the way across the demographics around America. So what happened? What changed? And if you really think about it, we went from a consumer who was seeking task-based efficiency. I want the best phone. I want the best super. I want BlackBerry, the best email client. I want the best stores to utility seekers. I want to do as much as I can in one place, even if I have to iterate. So my iPhone, as much as I love it, is five times the price, four times the size as the Nokia, and still today doesn't have as good email functionality as BlackBerry. But I only have one phone, and I'm okay with it. Shouldn't in 2020, shouldn't we be living in a world where we're going to you know, go apart our own ways in some time and get a notification for my direct deposit? We would say we've allocated this much to savings. This went straight to your bill pay. Here's extra for fun, for vacation. Take your wife out on a date, whatever you want to do. And here's some amount of money we suggest the portfolio you should put in. Shouldn't money fuel the way we live? So that's what Yield Street's really building. It's much bigger than a single asset class. It's much bigger than a singular investment. It's the future of how we interact with the money. It's self-driving. So when I think about why people come to Yield Street, that's the big story. What makes someone make an investment? For some people, it's art. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's marine. For some people, it's real estate. The real estate guy has enough exposure and they'd be really excited about it. The investor in art understands what we're doing in art, sees the quality of the work that we present, says, oh, they must be good. I'll now invest in real. So I can't answer you specifically, but I can definitely tell you that people did have and will come for art. What's more interesting to me is that 70% of our investors have five or more investments. 15% of our investors had eight or more, but only 3% have more than a million dollars. So of the billion three that we funded, we only have 3% of users with a million dollars. So what that means is we have enormous engagement across the platform and highly distributed and diversified capital. So if you think about that at scale, at 10 million users, so what if Goldman Sachs a trillion dollar balance sheet, we have to think. And that's where it gets really interesting. Leveraging technology to create financially fun. 
But your users then are are uh, interacting with some sort of a dashboard that allows them to choose these individual investments. And so if someone signs on the pl platform because uh, whether or not they're initially interested in art, they are presented with um, uh, art uh, uh, yield as uh, a simple entry, you know, uh, uh, here's something that will get you 8, 10, 12 percent, or it's here's the, the uh, collateral that you're being, um, you're funding. I mean, I'm just I'm curious at the level of, of detail and granularity. If I'm a user of the platform, what decision I'm making, why this art loan versus that art loan, or this uh, uh, marine financing deal versus that art loan. So the experience is as follows on single selection. We don't say the piece of art because most people can find out who the owner of the art is. There's two ways to curate an investment for someone. One is you give them all the information and you tell them, go make a decision. So some real estate platforms have like a Zillow estimate and a picture of Google Maps with like a little dot. And they tell you, this is the address and this is the deal and this is why we love it and you should do it. And the other way is to be as transparent as possible without giving up certain sensitive information. So I would say we have an opportunity to invest in a building on Fifth Avenue between 42nd and 49th Street. It's between 250 and 300,000 square feet. The owner is an individual who's been in real estate for 25 years. With a net worth of $125 million. Has a consistent track record with lenders. And go through all the details of the asset. Now, for the person sitting in Texas, which is a better way to offer them the investment? I think it's the way we do it. Much more information about the underlying substance of the investment. Does the person in Texas know the difference between 585th Avenue and 855th Avenue? I think no idea. Two buildings across the street from each other, depending if you're on 48th Street on the north side or 48th Street on the south side, are two totally different buildings. One is right next to Saks, one is right next to Best Buy. So the art market is the same. Yep. We believe that we have the right talent internally to really understand art. And like I mentioned to you earlier, alluded to, we have built an incredibly robust data system that ranks, scores, and rates liquidity by artists velocity of sale by artists, historical sales of artists, and really gives us insight to understand. So what we present to investors is this is how we do our underwriting. It's contemporary in these years. It's a pool of art that has these types of artists without mentioning the specific work and gives them a really good sense of where it is. What defines the pricing between different art investments could be things like loan to value. We have a 10% loan to value versus a 50. Leverage. So do we want to enhance the yield by providing back leverage, so going out to the banks and offering them a senior position to get our investor at 10 or 11%. But things like that will determine the yield. Otherwise, I look at it as we have a pretty specific program and a pretty specific box that the pricing that we're offering our clients is often the same as ours. Um, so you, you'll create a yield structure with the uh, borrower holding equity, a bank coming in for a certain portion of it so that that pushes up the yield for the remaining tranches that your um, your your members are uh, Absolutely. So what we realized was, although the art market is undeveloped from a financing perspective, the underlying borrowers are generally really sophisticated. They're high net worth, successful people, accomplished people, have used leverage in other areas of their life. For some reason, that switch just didn't click. Like, wait, why am I not levering my portfolio? So we need to be competitively priced. We need to be fairly priced. 
but we also need to keep it interesting for our investor pool. So we've partnered with different banks to be able to access leverage so that we can compete with anyone in the market. I believe that for the right borrower, there is no better lender than Athena, period, end of story. You can go to your private wealth manager and they can tease you with a safer rate or a better rate, but the reality is you're personally guaranteed on that, you're tying up your whole portfolio. Athena Art Finance is asset-backed financing, art-backed financing, that's it. Um, so that's one way of investing. The second way of investing, and you're catching me on a great day, is yesterday we had this big announcement where Yield Street launched what we call the Yield Street Prison Fund. And the genesis of the prison fund was today it's active selection or it deals sell out incredibly. So I, I love this video I have. I would show it here, but I don't know that it'll, it'll translate well on the camera. Um, but we can send you a link where my partner is at a conference and he's showing this conference, the velocity of the sale and the demand that we have. And it was a 10 and a quarter million dollar art investment that sold out in 16 seconds to give you an idea. Hundreds of people. Um, and of course, we don't just list it immediately. We put all the information up. We hold it for three, four days. People are, have to read it. They ask questions. Only once that time has passed, we can invest. But the challenge was, if I want to generate a diversified portfolio of investments, it would be difficult either because I'd have to get into all of them and because I'd have to continue to increase my overall investment allocation to get multiple transactions like the investment. The Yield Street Prison Fund, much like a prison where one ray of light comes in and many shades of color go out, one allocation in gives you instant diversification of all the assets. And for this prison fund, it's a billion-dollar fund. We did it in partnership with BlackRock as our sub-advisor. And we said half of the fund is going to be private or liquid credit for all these types of asset classes that Yield Street does. And the other part is going to be public liquid credit with emerging markets. And that should be able to give people an incredibly distributed risk and diversified risk but they can make one allocation, add to it over time as they have more liquidity, and have access to marine, art, legal, real estate, commercial, real estate, resi, aviation over time. So, so you're bundling for the people on your platform so they don't have to do it individually through the platform. Correct. We constantly think about how do we create new innovative products to deliver on our mission. Uh, art loans are kind of notorious for being relatively short duration, you know, two years, a year or so, so, sometimes three at the utmost. I assume that matches with your, the members' uh, appetite. Yeah, they're looking for short-term, high-yield uh, that way. So so that's not, the, the, the turnover is a feature, not a bug. It's fantastic for us. Listen, um, reinvestment risk is a problem for, for two types of profiles. One if you won't have access to something else after you're like, okay, what do I do with this money now? I still want to generate passive income. Second, I run a fund. I have a two-year investment period and a 10-year life. You just pay me back in year three. Pardon my friend, you just screwed my last seven years of fees. With all due respect, I'm not worried about your fees. I'm worried about my investors. My investors want to know that when it's time for the money to come back, it comes back. I always say, bring the money back home and we'll figure out what to do with it. So the duration works very well for us and the reinvestment risk isn't really present. Because across the platform, we have so many strong partnerships that continue to deliver new And are you using the strength of those um, uh, sales, for lack of a better term? You just described something uh, 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 being subscribed in uh, a very brief period, period of time uh, on the other side to uh, show the borrowers the kind of money that's available, that the appetite for these kinds of loans? You, you hit the nail on the head. So when I mentioned my partner was at a conference. So the conference was a shipping conference that was targeting shipping owners and originators and market participants. And the reason we showed the video is not to showcase our velocity, per se. 
The reason we showed the video is to showcase the appetite and the demand. Like, hey, there's a whole world of millions of investors out there that want to participate, that want to partner with you, that are interested in financing you, that want to prove to you that we believe as financiers, as an institution, as a platform, that you should think of your art as a financeable solution. And we're here to back it up. So that's exactly the story that we're trying to show. So last question, what is the remaining impediment barrier to uh, more uh, art lending? Is it just convincing collectors that this is um, a smart way to, to uh, get some liquidity? Is it uh, on the investor side? Uh, uh, what's, what's the scale you're looking for? In one word, I would say education. I don't know why, and maybe it's because we're a different generation than some of these large art lenders. Debt is something that is taboo to many. But at the end of the day, they find themselves in a situation now where they're strapped for cash. Debt is your best friend and your worst enemy. You get a mortgage on your first home. It's fantastic. Your payments are low. You pay it over 30 years. You save. It helps you. You shouldn't have your net worth tied up in your home. I remember um, it's a bit of a personal story, but. I was in LA and uh, this guy sees this video, I know exactly who he is. He had a home on what's it called? PCH, Pacific Coast, Coast Highway. Yeah. And uh, I was introduced to him by an investor of mine, one of my early investors. And I was pitching him this vehicle that, that I was raising capital for. And uh, he got really blunt with me really quickly. And he said, well, what's your net worth? I said, excuse me. He goes, do you own a home? I said, yeah. He goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I'm like, I have a family, I have kids, I'm going to do the whole thing. That has to be like a safe place. I'm giving him that whole speech my dad taught me, which I still stand by, by the way. And he had a different opinion. And he was like, why are you tying up your net worth in your home? If you took all that cash and you invested it, even safely, you would generate this amount and you would cover whatever your mortgages or your rent, et cetera. Um, so I wouldn't go to that extreme. But the point of the story is that responsible leverage is incredibly healthy. And we're not pushing people to give us 90% leverage at 12% rates. We're talking about 600 over live or 550 over live or at 50%. So we have an opportunity to really help people manage their cash flow, their large family, their trust in the states, to give them the ability to expand their collection. If you're buying art because you believe that the value of this art is going to increase and you love the artist, don't you want to buy more of it? So instead of buying five pieces with no leverage, buy 10 pieces with a little bit of leverage. So I think we have to continue to educate people. Like, uh, you know, I joke around with Cynthia, who runs you know, our finance business, how some people see her and they won't talk to her in a public setting. And it's like, yeah. you, you go to, you know, Harry Mappa or you yeah. go to um, Gary Barnett, who builds these beautiful towers at 157. You go to uh, any host of... Uh, any host of billionaires in the real estate market, or we had an offline conversation, you go to a guy like Dan Lowe, if he sees the CEO of, of Goldman Sachs in a room, he's not running away from him. He's running over to him. Hey, how you doing? How's this deal? I want to talk to you about the next deal. We should get some leverage. I think next time you should give a slightly better pricing, a little more leverage. That's the conversation every one of those people have. That should be the same relationship they have with a place like Athena Art Finance. Hey, I want to buy a portfolio. Can you work with me? What should be the right way to buy it? Can I utilize the data that you guys have to understand this dealer better, understand this artist better? 
or hey, it's a really interesting opportunity came up in the same building I have, or there's a distressed seller, I want to buy that. Can I give you the collateral so I can do a quick, a quick quote? We want to be there for them to help them make those decisions. And I think just educating the market and getting them more comfortable and feeling less taboo is what's going to unlock incredible scale. Great. I think you've educated me. So uh, it was great to get the time to speak with you today and to talk to a bunch of our viewers in the art news uh, community. I would encourage people to come take a look at Yield Street if you're interested on the investment side. Also go to YieldStreetPrisonFund.com, which is specifically that new fund that we spoke about. If you're potentially a borrower and you want to learn more about our services, you can go to Athena Art Finance. And if you want to have a confidential conversation, there's you're able to reach out to us. You'll see contact information on our site. Follow us on Twitter at Yield Street, on Instagram at Yield Street. And um, for those of you that enjoy podcasts or learning more about different industry news, I invite you to follow me on LinkedIn. I tend to post different trends going on, different conversations we have. I like to recap some of the interesting meetings that we're having with different banks and originators and asset classes and give people a feel for, for what we see every day and what our life looks like. And uh, we'd love to learn more about you, too. Thank you Thank so you much for, for coming me. in. It's been a, a fantastic uh, conversation. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Intelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com. 